The scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Great job, Everett. Great job. I hope I can do as good of a job uh, now. Um, my name is Timo, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and uh, last week, we began a new preaching series through our church's statement of faith. Or, sorry, not it's mission statement, not statement of faith. That would be too long. That's the Westminster Confession of Faith. Too long. Our, um, our church's mission statement, okay? And if you're not familiar with it, just pick up your bulletin and go to the first page, and you can find it on the bottom of the first page. It says that we exist to glorify and enjoy God by making disciples who make a difference through grace-filled worship, community, and mission. All right, so there's, there's a lot there. There's like 20 words, but a lot to unpack. And so we're going to be taking seven weeks in total to unpack this statement. Uh, we're going to see where we get these ideas in the Bible because that's our foundation. Uh, and why they are important for who we are and what we do as a church. Okay, so last Sunday, Pastor JT uh, preached on our why or our big goal, which is to glorify and enjoy God, right? And today, we begin to look at the what and the how, or the main thing we do, which is making disciples, all right? So that's the plan for today. Before we jump in, let's pray. Mighty and merciful Father, give every one of us this morning eyes to see and ears to hear. By your Spirit, speak through your word and help us see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so our, our text for today is what we know as the Great Commission, which uh, Everett just read for us, and we are going to ask three simple questions of this uh, passage. And the questions are, what is a disciple? How disciples are made? And who makes disciples? All right, pretty simple. Let's start with what is a disciple, all right? Uh, the word disciple is found throughout the New Testament, uh, and in Greek is mathete. I'm not going to make you repeat it like Pastor JT does regularly, but mathete. Uh, and the ma- basic meaning of that word is a follower, right? A follower. Now, um, I love podcasts. Maybe you do too. Uh, and, and if you know, you can just, you can follow a bunch of podcasts on your phone. And if you just, you know tap the plus or, you know, follow, whatever, your, your phone will download all these things into your computer until you don't have storage anymore, and then you have to delete some, right? But so it's, it's pretty easy to follow people 
uh, or follow podcasts. Now, if you're into podcasts like I am, you know that there are some podcasts that are subscriber only content, right? So then uh, you have the, the free stuff, which is usually kind of like half of the episodes or kind of like some glimpse of what the episode is about. And then if you want the real stuff, the full stuff, you have to subscribe, you have to pay. Uh, and I think that distinction is helpful because uh, when the Bible talks about Jesus, uh, sorry, when the Bible talks about disciples, it means more than just someone who follows in a, in a superficial or, um, or shallow way. You see in, in the Gospels, we see that there's the disciples and the crowds. The crowds also follow Jesus, but not in the same way that the actual disciples do. Okay, so the Bible uh, uses other terms too, like believers, those who put their faith in Jesus, or people who have been born again, that is, people who've been transformed uh, from the inside out by the Spirit of God, and also the word Christians, uh, those whose master uh, is Christ. Okay, but for our purposes this morning, um, I'm going to give you my own definition of a disciple, not because I'm you know, super smart or anything, but this, I think this is helpful. And this disciple is a person whose entire life is oriented toward Jesus Christ. Okay? A person whose entire life is oriented toward Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a life shaped by the purpose to glorify and enjoy God. Okay, so it's an entire life. It's not just uh, having a Christian worldview or having Christian beliefs or certain theological commitments or, uh, or a certain Christian morality. No, it's more than that. It's an all-encompassing. Uh, it has to do with your identity, your desires, your thoughts, your habits, your actions. Okay, so when the Bible talks about disciples, it's, it's an all-in commitment. Okay. Um, and uh, why do I use the word oriented? So a person whose life is oriented toward Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, I use the word oriented because I want to qualify uh, discipleship. I want to uh, be able to recognize that though disciples of Jesus follow him, they're committed to him, uh, we often fail to live up to um, our master. Right? So we haven't arrived yet. Our, our desires, our thoughts, our actions don't always reflect um, our Lord. Right? They don't always match our profession of faith. But we are seeking that. We are seeking that with God's help. Okay. So let's go to Matthew 28 that Everett just read for us. Um, Jesus, this is Jesus' last word to his disciples before ascending into heaven. Uh, and th- the main thing that Jesus wants his disciples to do is to make disciples or make more disciples, right? Now, what would you have expected Jesus to say at the end of his three-year ministry after teaching so much um, and then in the last week of his earthly ministry, well, in that last Passion Week, you know, conf- uh, confront the, the re- religious leaders and then end up being delivered to be crucified and then dying on the cross and then rising again and then encountering his disciples. What, what would you have expected Jesus to tell his disciples to do? Maybe go tell people that I love them, 
or go and be good and do good. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, make disciples. Why? Well, if you go to the beginning of the Bible, you would know that God made humanity in his image and likeness, right? And he gave them a task. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Essentially, uh, humanity had to fill the earth with more people, with humans made in God's image, who are like him and who reflect his good, holy, just, generous, creative character. All right? So that's, that's what humans were supposed to do. And yet, as, as the story unfolds, we see that the people that God, ma- God made in his image rebel against him. And yes, humans continue to um, multiply and fill the earth, but now they fill it with sin. People continue to bear the image of God, uh, and we see glimpses of goodness and holiness and justice, and creativity, generosity in their lives. But we also see now that humanity is like a broken mirror. We reflect God, and yet we're broken. We see wickedness, uh, injustice, oppression in people, and also the systems that they create. And what does God do? Well, God rebels against people, against sinners, and against sin. So God does not abandon his creation, but, and he refuses to let go. And he works to redeem it. And so as the story of the Bible uh, unfolds, we see that God calls individuals, and then he forms a family, and then he forms tribes, and then he gives them promises, and then he gathers these tribes and makes them into a nation, and then he gives this nation his law, and then he gives them more promises. And while things continue to deteriorate in the world, and even God's people are... Um, extremely, extremely wayward, God is faithful to his promises of uh, re- restoration and redemption. And so God's promises come to a climax in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who comes to deal with the main problem, with sin, the guilt of sin, the power of sin, And he does this through his death and his resurrection from the grave. And what happens when when Jesus does all these wonderful things? Well, a new age begins. No longer are the promises of God and the salvation of God restricted to one nation or one area of the world or one time in history. But no, in the name of Jesus, now everyone, regardless of age, race, Uh, gender, culture, resources, education, everyone, everywhere should, should be called to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, to turn from sin and to receive Jesus uh, through faith, receive God's forgiveness and experience the transforming power of God. Right? And then uh, throughout Jesus' ministry, he called people to follow him. And here in Matthew 20, 28, what Jesus does is essentially telling his disciples, be fruitful and multiply. 
Same thing that, that God t- uh, told Adam and Eve in the garden. Now Jesus says, just in the words of make disciples. Go into all nations. Go until the ends of the earth and make disciples. Make people who reflect my good, holy, just, gracious character. So making disciples has been God's plan all along. And friend, if you are new here, uh, first time visiting or exploring Christianity, we are grateful you're here and we want to tell you that this is what we are about. We are about uh, telling people about Jesus and making disciples of Jesus. And if you have questions, uh, you want to explore the faith, we'd love to come alongside you uh, so that you would be known by God and you would know him as well. Uh, and for those who are members of this church, this is bothering me so much. All right, let's try that. Um, for those who are members of this church, we're also grateful for you that you have chosen to be a disciple right here in this church. Uh, but I want to speak frankly to in recognize that we all have this temptation as disciples of Jesus, which is to, to be shallow followers of Jesus, to not be all in, to compartmentalize our discipleship. And so the encouragement for, for all of us is to ask, ask ourselves whether our entire life is oriented toward Jesus. And I'm not asking um, whether your life is outwardly religious, um, but I'm asking, like, what is the disposition of your heart? Are there areas of your life that you have not surrendered to Jesus? And are you open to being transformed by him? So that's a question for all of us, for me too. Okay, so we've considered what a disciple is. Uh, And that is essential because that's what Jesus wants us to do. Uh, And it's also what we commit to being and doing as members of this church, Capital Press Reston. Now, our next question is, how are disciples made? How are disciples made? And uh, if you've ever driven into D.C. through uh, 395, uh, there's an electronic traffic sign that says, please drive Carefully. Have you seen it? Maybe not. You guys stay in Virginia all the time? Okay. Well, please drive carefully, right? And the, the, signs, the sign assumes that you're driving, right? Duh. Uh, but it wants you to be mindful of the way that you're driving. The manner in which you, you do something really matters. Okay, likewise, uh, Jesus cares about us making disciples, but also cares about how we make disciples. And if you look at verse uh, 28, nine, uh, chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, so Jesus gives us the how, baptizing and teaching. Um, and I think it's helpful to think uh, about um, 
this in two categories, uh, the external category and the, uh, sorry, the internal and the external. Uh, and internal, I mean uh, making disciples within the bounds of the church, and then external, outside the bounds of the church, okay? So let's think about the, the first category, the internal category. Jesus wants his disciples to be baptized. Now, what is baptism? I'm glad you asked, because I have the, short, the shorter catechism right here. <laughs> baptism is a sacrament wherein the washing, uh, the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit doth signify and seal our engrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace in our engagement to be the Lord's. All right, super easy. I'm sure you remember everything. Um, but anyway, so it's a lot of words to ponder on right there. But take this away. The baptism is a profound and beautiful ritual where people are marked with God's name and marked off as God's own people. So people are, the name of God is spoken over someone as, as they uh, are washed with water. And that means that now they belong to the people of God. It's a beautiful thing. And so that is what Jesus' first disciples did. You see, in the, in the book of Acts, we see tons of baptisms uh, as they made new disciples. And that's what the Christian church has done through its ages. And that's what we do here, too, at Capitol Press Reston. And the next baptism is going to be Zach Bauman, as far as I remember correctly, next month. And then in June, we'll have Margot Ware. So we are making disciples. We are welcoming kids um, into the family. And we want to see more baptisms of uh, adults, kids, and Everything in between, I guess. Um, so baptism is a one-time thing, and it's very important. It's beautiful. But discipleship does not stop with baptism. No, it's a, it's a long, uh, lifelong process. Jesus not only wants us to baptize, but also to teach uh, the newly made disciples. And here's where we get to the um, not one-time way of doing disciples, but the continual aspect of discipleship. Okay? So, again, a disciple is uh, a person whose entire life is oriented towards Jesus Christ. And that's why, um, in the context of discipleships, discipleship, Christians uh, love to talk about formation. Formation. So, why do we talk about formation? Because being and acting as a, as a disciple is not something that's instinctual. Uh, some, some aspects of it may be instinctual, but uh, most of the time, uh, being a disciple is something that needs to be formed in us through observation, instruction, practice, and doing all of that all over again over time. So discipleship is not just about uh, filling your mind with a certain information uh, or, you know, we love theology in this church. As a Presbyterians, we love theology, but it's not just about learning the Bible and theology. That's certainly important, but discipleship involves 
your whole being. Um, and think about this as, as like a, any other discipline, in a sense, like music or exercising or cooking, right? You, you learn all those things, those skills by, by watching, by listening, by doing, by copying, by listening to instruction. It takes practice. So I, I play guitar a little bit, and uh, it's hard, you know, especially when you're learning. You know, you get these calluses here, uh, and then you have to hold the, the, the neck really, really hard. And then over time, it becomes like second nature. And discipleship, in a sense, is, is like that. Um, uh, and throughout the ages, the Christian church has, uh, has created a bunch of different tools for continual discipleship. So we have creeds, we have confessions, catechisms, we have retreats, we have classes, we have curricula, we have books, hymns, ministries. And here at Capra Press Reston, we, um, we have those things too. We're Presbyterian, so if we want, you want to learn all the, our theology, you need to go to the Westminster Confession uh, and the larger and shorter catechisms. We love books, so we will recommend books. JT was recommending a bunch of books this morning at the, the ACE class. Uh, and we have uh, other things too. You know, apart from this worship service, we have children's ministry, we have student ministries, we have adult Christian education, we have something called journey groups, uh, we have Bible studies. All of these good tools uh, are great, and we commend them to you. But you know what the most important tool for discipleship is? It's this. Even if you don't participate in any other thing that our church does, as a disciple, you should stay connected to the life of the church and you should come to worship on Sunday. The weekly gathering of the church is crucial to yours and my discipleship. You think about it, if you just show up on Sunday, and, you, and if you're not in a hurry, let me qualify that. If you just show up on Sunday, you get it all. You, your senses are engaged. You'll fellowship with other believers. You'll sing. You'll confess your sins. You'll be assured of God's forgiveness. Uh, you, will be, you will pray and be prayed over. And depending on the Sunday, um, you, will, you will get to uh, remember your baptism or also partake of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So if you come here, you get all, this, all these great things that God wants you to have. And if these things are crucial for yours and my discipleship. Now, there are other things you can do. Like we, we would encourage you to pray at home and to read the Bible on your own. Uh, but as a collective, as a church, this is the main thing we do to make disciples. We gather together around God's word and we worship him. This is why we, um, we encourage you to make Sunday, Sunday worship a priority in your heart, in your schedule, 
we encourage you to prepare for it, uh, and we encourage you to engage in it as best as you can. I know we're all have tons of things going on. We have little kids. We have our phones distracting us, but this is the moment where disciples are made. So let's make the most of it, okay? Okay, so that is how disciples are made within the bounds of the church. Uh, But when Jesus gives his disciples the great commission to make disciples, he has in mind uh, also other people, those who have not yet been reached. Uh, So he says, go to all nations. So there's an external aspect to making disciples. Okay, and uh, briefly, how how do we um, make disciples externally? Um, we have a sermon coming up at the end of the series. It's going to be on, on mission or missions. Uh, and so I'm going to restrict my, my comments here. Um, but for now, to make disciples outside of the bounds of the church, we need at least three things. We need presence. We need a message. And we need an invitation. All right, three things. Presence, message, and invitation. Presence. We need to be in the world. We need to know people. We need to be interested and involved in people's lives, people who don't know Jesus. When we don't, when we want to evangelize, but we don't know people, we're not involved with them, we treat them as projects, right? So sometimes Christians are accused of treating people as projects. And I think that's a valid criticism because we don't want to be involved in their lives. We just want to tell them about Jesus and kind of like, okay, now go, go somewhere else. Or maybe come to church, but I don't really want to spend much time with you, right? Um, Now, I know uh, some of the members in this church, and I know that some of you are very good at this, at at, uh, being there, being present. Uh, You know your neighbors, uh, you, you love and care for them. They know that. Um, and I want to commend you for that. And I think all of us should get creative and find ways to be involved in our neighbors' lives. Um, relationships are the ground for making disciples. And so a question for all of us is, how can you cultivate mo- meaningful relationships with your neighbors, even this week? So we've got to be there. We've got to be present. But presence is not enough. We also need a message. So your presence may have a deep impact in your neighbors, but making disciples is not about you. It's about Jesus. So you and me, we have to tell them about Jesus. We need to tell them about his person, about his love for sinners, his death on the cross for our sin, his glorious resurrection, his kingdom, the sure hope we have in him. If we don't tell our friends about Jesus, how will we make disciples of Jesus? So let's be clear and explicit about Jesus as we are engaged with with those who don't know him. Okay, so you need presence and a message, the message of Christ. Together with that, you need an invitation. And why do I say this? Well, I've experienced this myself, that we, uh, 
I may talk to my friends, unbelieving friends, about Jesus, but do I call on them to put their faith in him? Um, I've told a ton, a ton of friends about Jesus, but have I called them to say, you must follow Jesus, repent and believe? Um, now, this uh, sometimes looks like that. You, you share about Jesus and you tell your friends, repent and believe, you know, or you share, the, uh, share with them the four spiritual laws or something like that, um, or you invite them to church so that they can hear the gospel. Uh, or sometimes you share what uh, Jesus has done in your life and you kind of like invite them to experience the same. All those things are great. But we need to do that. Okay, we need to be bold and get over the, the awkwardness and you know, discomfort of telling people, you need to believe. This message is for you too. Okay, so uh, we make disciples. Uh, that's how we make disciples. And the last question we have is, who makes disciples? Now, this may be obvious, right? So we read it right there. Uh, it says, Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples. Okay, so who makes disciples? The disciples. Okay, right, sure. Okay. Um, yes, we do. But there's also a bit of a mystery here. Did you notice verse 18? It says, the first thing Jesus says is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, you go make disciples. And then in verse 20, it says uh, that we should teach disciples to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And behold, Jesus says, I am with you always till the end of the age. And so the mystery is that as we go to make disciples, it is ultimately God himself who makes disciples through us. Right? For, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. God makes his appeal through us. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Now, we can, we can go all theological and like, ah, oh, human responsibility and, you know, divine sovereignty and all that. But just, just marvel at this, that we get to join God in what he is doing in the world. We get to join him in redeeming people so that they would reflect the good, holy, just, generous character of God. And so as we make disciples, we go with his authority and his presence. And this should cause us to have at least two things. First is humility. Why humility? Because making disciples is an incredible privilege. Uh, we, we don't get to do it because we are great or because we have, have it all figured out. No, to the contrary, even as, uh, as disciples, we are pretty messed up. And um, we don't want to glory in our, in our messed upness. Um, but we have to recognize 
that it's wonderful that God uses people like you and I to carry out his purposes. A friend of mine wrote a book called Church Planting is for Wimps. And the, the um, subtitle is How God Uses Messed Up People to Do Extraordinary Things. That, God loves doing that. God is a sucker for that. Okay, so we, that, this needs to give us humility. And the second thing this needs to give us is confidence. Um, if it's ultimately God who's making disciples through us, then we can know that the mission will be successful. And so we don't need to use dishonest methods to evangelize or to make disciples. No, we just need to do what he tells us to do. And I know that the soil may be hard, especially in our, in our day and age. And I know that we may not see the fruit that we want to see, perhaps for long periods of time. And I know that we may encounter opposition as we try to make disciples. But Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He says that his kingdom will stand. So we should have confidence. One uh, final comment before we close. Uh, We started this church uh, back in September. And we are incredibly blessed that you all are here. We started our first Sunday. I think we had like 200 people or more. And we've had 150 people on average every Sunday. Uh, And that has been incredibly, incredible, uh, amazing. By so many measures, we are a successful church. Um. This week I came across a quote by William Carey. And if you know William Carey, he was a Baptist pastor and a missionary to India in the 1800s. And he said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And as a church, we want to be successful. We want to grow our numbers. We want to be financially sustainable. We want to grow our ministries, perhaps even get a building. But ultimately, none of those things matter if we fail to keep the main thing the main thing. And brothers and sisters, the Lord has placed us here in the Herndon, Reston, Sterling area so that we would make disciples. In the name of Jesus, we are to call everyone to trust him, to know him, and to be known by him, to turn to him in faith, and to be transformed by his power. Copper Press Reston, church family, we exist to glorify and enjoy God by making disciples. So let's keep doing that for as long as we exist. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you that you, out of love, have redeemed us and you are redeeming this world. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, we are honored that you call us to your service. 
Lord, may your kingdom come. Help us here in this church uh, to be faithful uh, in the task of making disciples and to be fruitful in doing so. Lord, we pray that many of our friends and neighbors would come to know you through us. And may we as a church grow together to reflect more and more your holy and gracious character. Lord, we pray all these things in the matchless name of King Jesus. Amen.